Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore 40k, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our Dukari from our Dark Angels, our Tyranids from our Tau, and our Craft Worlds from our Chaos Marines, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer 40k stuff? My name is Ben Chrome Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about 40k. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crowlin Allen. I'm here. Who knows absolutely fuck all about 40k. Mmm, very true. And my dear brother, Darren. I may or may not be here. Who knows so much about 40k, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. Over the years, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hooray! Harumble! Do you know, I've, I've actually, I've just discovered the key to getting that intro done in roughly one take, which is to move the script over your video feeds so that you can't <laughs> distract me as you constantly try to do while I'm doing the intro. <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to take my elephant disguise off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Darren, hi. Sorry. <laughs> Mystery solved. Oh, that was a that was a trunk, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, all right. Actually, do you know what? Get that elephant back in here. Uh, right, right. Are we? Uh, are we? Are we quizzing it? Or do you want into the galactical to... galaxy of forty k? I, I, I have no idea what you're talking. About. Do you want, right, do lads. You want me in- it's it. How about you shut up? How about that? How about that? <laughs> how about you shut up Cranky and let me much. go on with the Are thing today, that you're forcing everybody? me to do? Yep, I'll do that. You just sit there, eye candy. That's what you are, mate. Eye candy for the podcast. We're going to use your face in all the uh, thumb <laughs> thumbnails, and that'll just bring the screaming in. Right? So, we'll get down to these fucking questions that I have to ask. You seem really happy about the fact that you're uh, asking these questions. (sighs) Don't worry about Darren. He's just got a bit of sand in his vagina. (laughs) Yeah. It's all right, Darren. It's all right. He just just doesn't know. He just doesn't know. It's not bad. It's your job to teach him. So, here we go. Question. Question. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. (laughs) Someone name the two and a half aspects of reality that we've covered last week. Corporeal universe, the warp, and the webway. Get in. Excellent. Point to Chris, who is actually, for for no sudden reason, my favourite. Now. (laughs) (laughs) Sudden reason. Yes, because that's... That's never been the case up till now. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned the warp there. What does a ship travelling through the warp need and why? What does it need? As in, what does it need to travel through the warps, you mean? I believe the question stands by itself, Chris. (laughs) Did I stutter, motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I feel really naughty all of a sudden. Um, Okay. Um... Um, what does it need? It needs a pocket full of hope <laughs> and positivity, positive thoughts. Oh my God, you're being serious. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it, uh, d- okay. It needs, um, it needs to be navigated. It needs a point of navigation. Okay. 
Or does it need? Are you talking about its power source? It needs a certain power source. This no, is, this come on. Let's. Say, you mentioned the word navigation there. Let's expand that. Expand. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Navigators, which are the psychers with the third eye. Exactly to, right. In the I can't remember that that big globular thing in the Himalayas. I can't remember what it's called now. It's the the, basically the big lighthouse. The Astronomica. Car, 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 the car. Astronomican. Exactly right. And That's what, the not what, Astronomican. Uh, no, it is the Astronomican. Astronomican or Astronomica? Astronomicon. Oh, it's the oh, okay. Astronomicon. I've, I've been to I've been to that festival. Yeah. <laughs> it's a convention. <laughs> That's the one. I can tell by the giant eye in the middle of your chest. <laughs> <laughs> you mutant. It's my third nipple. It's your third nipple. Do they also need a Geller field? A Ross Geller field. Yes, yes, they do. How did you hear about that? Oh, yeah, I mentioned them in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that... <laughs> Were you about to accuse me of doing extracurricular research? <laughs> yes, it does. And what does a Geller field do? Makes terrible, terrible jokes. <sighs> oh, no, that's the Ross Geller field. No, oh, no, hold on, that's Darren Barber. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it keeps out the warp energies and stops it from getting in the ship and basically fucking everyone up. Exactly right. It's a spiritual force field. Nice. I need one. Much like, like, like a, I have like to. A, much like yeah. Much like I have to engage every day with my children. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I was just going to do another analogy, and it wasn't even funny. So we'll move on. <laughs> that's unlike you. Right. So that's two for two for Kralin. Uh, so the final question, final question of the three questions I'm forced to ask under protest. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you, hang on, let me do some quick counting. Uh, 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 uh. Can you name the five types of worlds or, 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 or name the five situations or hang on a second. Let's try again, Dar. <laughs> can you ask a question? Can you? <laughs> can you? Well, this bit is going great, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's can you? awesome. <laughs> no, Darren, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously what not. Are the sta- what are the logical stages between the discovery of a new world uh, by an agent of the Imperium and the situation where you have billions of uh, imperial citizens living in a single city. What are the types of world it must travel through? Kral, you got this. The frontier world. Excellent. Into the feral world or primal world. Into... There's a, a bit of a crossover there, uh, but yes, feral world would be a, a good a good position to have. Feral. Yep. Then the um, oh feudal world. Yeah. Yeah. Then the. I can't remember what the, the, the one after that. Is it the civilized world? Yes. Excellent. And finally. <gasps> a hive world. A hive world. Hooray. Harumble. Yahtzee. Hooray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. So technically frontier worlds can be any type of world that's newly discovered, usually with sparse a sparse population, uh, and they more frequently turn into mining worlds or waste worlds or industrial worlds as 
uh, stuff uh, as technology is brought online, um, or, or indeed uh, the armory worlds or fortress worlds. But in general, the evolution is feral to feudal, feudal to civilized, and then civilized either goes full industrial or straight to the hive model. Right, okay. Nice, nice. Ben, what is the immediate area around Terra and our solar system which is dominated by the Imperium of Man Boo? It's got the word solar in it. Is it solar... Se- uh, sectum, sector. I can't remember that. Sector, name, sector, solar. Sectarum, 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 <laughs> sectarum, Potato? sectarum. I'm just going to say it over and over again. Sectarum. Think of Terry's chocolate orange. Segmenta. Segmenta. There you go. <laughs> Segmenta. Excellent. Do you know what, Crow? Between the two of us, we're like one normal person. Like we've got like. Mm, no, okay, even, yeah. I, 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 I kind of balled out halfway through that. I was like, where are you going with that one, Ben? Uh, secta- oh, fucking hell. Oh, he's Segmenta Solaris. <laughs> and Ben, within Segmenta Solaris, what are the four main regions? North, east, south, and west. Is it Segmenta Solaris or Segmenta Solar? I have, I have no idea. I think I've actually dropped acid now, and I don't know what's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we are way beyond 40K right now. Right, okay. So, so sorry, you're asking what the, the name of the other regions There's like are. four quadrants, Fuck isn't there, me, Chris, within that's... the Segmenta Solaris. Oh, you, you're so close, but at the same time, completely wrong. It's uh, the Segmentum Solar is in the center, and then you have stuff to the, the galactic north it. of that around it yeah uh, okay okay surrounding the segmenta solaris what are the four main quadrants so there's segmenta Ul- ultima segmenta yeah that right? that's where the giant oranges are yep <laughs> <laughs> the right. ultimate segments uh, the u- ultimate segment what is the name of it is it s- the ultima segmentum okay I'm where the ultramarines hang out that's their hq is it? In the south, you've got Segmenta Tempest, and in the west, Segmenta Pacifica. Not a lot happens in the west. It's kind of. I see your eyes traveling up to one side. Are you looking at a map? No, I'm <laughs> looking at my input level to make sure it's not distorting. Yeah, whatever. You cheating bastard. Warhammer 40k is owned by a company called <laughs> Games Workshop. <laughs> Are you on that fucking chat, GTP? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I'm, I'm impressed, Growl. I don't, I, yeah, I wasn't. I, I paid attention. I just can't remember what the northern one is. I can't remember what the northern segment is. Obscurus. Ob- Segmented Obscurus. Obscurus. Obscurus, sorry. Is that the biggest one? Mm. That's where most of the, the kind of warring with Xenos. No, occurs. that happens in the east, Ben. No, 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 that's that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Oh, segment. that's the ultimate. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, the o- o- Obscurus is where the Eye of Terror is. If you recall, ah, bonus okay. question for you, Ben. What was the name of the group of people that tore the uh, Milky Way in half? Oh, uh, it was well. It's not the name of it. It was the name of it was the Thirteenth Black Crusade. Was it yeah. not? Way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Excellent. Although, although well, it, yeah, it is, it's generally accepted. The Great Rift was the goal of the 13th Black Crusade, but it's not been stated that that's actually what it was. Um, mm. So it, it it's it happened immediately at the close of the Black Crusade. 
Uh-huh. But it was the chaos. Yeah. It was the forces of chaos. The forces of chaos. What would those forces have been comprised of? Would that have been purely uh, demons or would it have been... No, it, um, I think reading through the codices, I think it's mostly disaffected teens. <laughs> Angsty young <laughs> adolescents. It's space emos. Yep. Yeah. Space emos. <laughs> no, you're looking at... Playing uh, the 40k version of Placebo. Yeah, you've got the Chaos Space Marine Legions uh, and then Renegade Space Marine Chapters. Those two are quite distinctly different. You've got uh, Chaos Traitors, so Chaos Imperial Regiments that go to Chaos. Then plus every flavor of demon that you can think of, that you can come up with, are there as well. Uh, and that causes that it's such a huge army. It's important to note that the difference between Chaos Legions and Renegade Chapters are Renegade Chapters are uh, the average under a thousand Space Marines. The kind of de facto size of a Space Marine Chapter is a thousand Marines, a thousand Battle Brothers, plus all the administrative and supporting staff. Mm. Chaos Legions are, are, are effectively what the Space Marine Legions used to be 10,000 years ago. So you're like the Ultramarines had in excess of half a million troops. Half a million Marines. Half a million Marines. Much, much larger. Much larger. And so a lot of um, the, or sorry, the nine Space Marine Legions that fell to chaos were of that kind of size. So there's a lot of, a lot of attrition but also they've worked out how to create new space marines, create new chaos marines. They retained um, that knowledge uh, from the early days. So, so when, when we're, we're not Imperium... talking, sorry, we're not talking about small armies. We're talking about arguably hundreds of thousands of genetic supermen that are evil. So when you talk about the the kind of transition from legions to chapters was that exclusively within the imperium like the the, the, the yes. chaos yeah. the, is chaos still formed of legions rather than chapters i mean we'll cover this when we do the summary episode on chaos but short answer is yes uh space marine the chapter size the thousand battle brother size is uh, exclusively for the imperium the Chaos Legions, some of them did fracture into war groups, war bands. I'm right. thinking specifically things like the World Eaters, who are the followers of Corn, who just descended into just battle lust. And they had a, a great kind of self-destructive uh, battle at Scalathrax that fractured them from a cohesive legion into the many kind of uh, war bands that exist today. So there, there are different sizes of the original chaos legions but in general you're looking at quite uh, significantly sized vast armies of uh, of genetic super terrors nice horrific horrific <laughs> horrific so now that we've suitably exhausted that recap where are we going what's <laughs> what's today well, last episode we went through the kind of the setting in terms of the physical setting, the the galaxy, which is our Milky Way, the kind of administrative regions of the Imperium, uh, and really we're doing this to 
gain the kind of humanocentric understanding of 40k because i think that's a strong starting point from which to then compare other factions other civilizations other races uh, and will give you a good grounding in what it means to be human in 40k it's arguably the most relatable uh, section so what i thought we'd do is just a really quick summary of uh, of 30,000 years and uh, <laughs> and try not to drag on as much as the uh, well-meaning but perhaps ill-conceived episode episodes uh, where we just <laughs> broke Kral. Good news, though. He's not bleeding out his nose this time. Not, not bleeding out his nose. No. I've run out of blood to bleed. So. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> so um, I will preface this by saying we're looking at the history of humankind. Uh, we're going to use the word man a lot. Mankind. Please understand it's just the vernacular I, I have. I will make an effort to make sure it's humanocentric, humankind, this kind of thing. To be as inclusive as possible. But also not inclusive at all because it's a totalitarian uh, state, the Imperium of Man. So, you know, I'm on the fence. Um, <laughs> we will cover from present day because as mentioned the universe of 40k is our universe we exist in that setting right now obviously we're most if not all of it is fictional but there's a good grounding of you know history this, uh, this kind of idea so we're going to start from the first millennium to the 15th millennium that's really the first chunk of uh, the first epoch of time. And what's an epoch, Ben? Oh fuck knows, mate. Sounds like a pock on a pair of trousers. What's an no, epoch? it's a it's a Yorkshireman discovering a pock. Oh yes, yeah, epoch, <laughs> epoch. <laughs> uh, is, it, uh, is it some sort of measurement of time? Yes, it's an incredibly long stretch of time. That first fifteen thousand years is referred to as the Age of Terror. Now. Terra those, or terror? Terra. With an A. <laughs> terra. For those who are already familiar with the expanded history of the 40k universe, I will say that the universe does not start at year one. There is a pseudo-secret history uh, to 40k that we will unravel together over mm. this introduction series. It's going to take a while. As has been highlighted, there is an absolute ton of lore and data. But we're going to keep it focused on humans for now, uh, for the next, well, I'm not going to say that, for now. Um, for the next foreseeable <laughs> lifetime. Got it. For the next foreseeable, for at least the Age of Terror. So, <laughs> the Age of Terror really is... The kind of not golden age, but it's the expansion age of humanity. So it goes from you know, let's use the the AD classification. It goes from zero, or sorry, it goes from one AD to fourteen thousand nine hundred and ninety nine AD, and has a growth of humans, or, or an evolution of human culture from our current day to this kind of constant reinvention of industry, of technology, and of uh, a capacity not only to expand out from Terra, but also to 
terraform the worlds that we encounter. Now, as we said last episode, the Segmentum Solar really serves as the full boundary of expansion during that time. It simply wasn't possible to travel any further than that from Terra because not only was the warp not really understood or experienced, but the technology to be able to move through that uh, system didn't exist. So really, you're looking at sublight speed generational ships where everything had to be loaded on and people, material. This is when the, the STCs started to be loaded onto the ships uh, uh-huh. as well. This is the, the, the Swiss Army knife of technology for mm. colonization. And really, once you were put in this ship, it was either you were alive and it was a generational ship, so it would be your great-grandkids or great to the power of N grandkids that would arrive at the planet, or you were put in suspended animation and you and humanity spread amongst the stars. So really, we're looking at the late 2000s is where humanity starts to spread out and gets colonies outside of our own solar system so you're you know all of the planets within our solar system were either colonized or had space stations and colonies built around them resources were harvested to further this kind of technological drive now it should be said that during this time There wasn't really like the concept of a world government. Countries still existed and thus entered into uh, conflict. But in general, that is the totality of what is known about that 15,000 years in summary form. Oh, wow, that was quick. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> and next month. I'm amazed. How, how are you feeling, Chris? Is that all right? We're going on the next 15,000 years, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kind of this is like maybe splitting hairs a bit too much, but still valid. At this period in, in, in the Age of Terror, you've got two kinds of explorational type ships. You've got one where they might put you in stasis. And then you would awake yeah. on the other end of the uh, the journey, or you've got one where you've got um, alive, conscious beings, and they would um, they would have children, and they would have, and it, you know after several generations, those like you say grandkids or so, great great grandkids would would then be the people landing or or at the front of that frontier, that exploratory campaign. In that situation there's always there's going to be like a danger if you've got several generations stuck isolated on a ship that yeah socially politically their drive their ambition the original mission is going to get diluted and there's going to be do you know what i mean shit can go yes. wrong there's met you, yeah. you, you've multiplied the the factors of failure by several well several Fold. hundred you know things that people just go mental or like lose the plot don't they Oh, absolutely right. And the uh, the chances of success were one in six. That's awfully specific. Mm, right. One in six. Yeah. Is that is was that is that stated in the in the lore? Oh yeah, it it, it absolutely is. By me by me just now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always so suspicious when you come up with these things like ninety-eight percent. Well that sounds that sounds oddly specific to our well, yes, it is. I just made it up. <laughs> but, uh, hyperbole, of course, but it's just underlines Chris's point of not only the dangers of this kind of generational travel, 
but also the issues of culture. So when you're setting off to occupy or colonize a distant planet, are you really still Terran? Are you really mm, associated yeah. with Terran? Yeah, or yeah, do you yeah. now have to dedicate your life and the life of your people and your children and their children to that yeah, individual precisely. colony? And the original uh, uh, mission set out by the Terran government, Terran Empire, again, that could be diluted, forgotten, manipulated by the time yeah. you're seven generations into a mission. Well, that's you know, it. I mean, you'd think, be... Fuck it. We're, we're millions of light years away. Let's start our own thing. It's, cra- it's crazy to think of it as like that single ship going on that journey as well, because it would be a completely different set of people that would arrive. So it's like mm-hmm. that whole thing of like, oh, I've had this broom for 20 years. I've only changed the head four times and the handle five times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Is it is it really the still is it is it the state is it the same mission? Mm. Yeah, but I think that these are great points well made because it feeds into the later kind of isolationist identities of a lot of these uh, planets. They become mm. their own thing. They are mm. effectively Earth in name. Uh, or Terran in name only. They are their own planet, their own culture. Some of them have their own kind of... uh, Handshakes. (laughs) (laughs) Handshakes. I was going to say some of them have their own mini empires as the millennia Mm, progress. And handshakes, yeah. Would they? I mean, is there is there a strong possibility of them forgetting their origins by the time they arrived? Oh like yeah. Well, I, I, as we is. move towards the the kind of start of the thirtieth millennium, so fifteen thousand years after this period of time comes to a close, you know, they believe that they evolved fully on, or some of them believe they have evolved fully on this planet and that there are legends of how their ancestors came from the stars. But really does any, does any intelligent person believe Ah, that? Uh, Mm. So, you know, it's, and their technology evolves in a different way. Uh, They're uh, kind of socio-religious. On the right-hand side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> All their hive cities are built at forty-five degrees rather than straight up. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's really the and that's the age of terror. Is that right? That's the age of terror, and so that's really the first the, the first kind of galactic bloom of uh, humans' kind of manifest destiny. Uh, lots of encounters with alien races an incredible amount of bloodshed and war. You're looking at uh, colonies just kind of blipping out of existence because of alien uh, attack, piracy. There may have been some influence of warp entities at this time. It's interesting to note that in some of the more esoteric books and sources of lore, that it's during this time that three of the four gods of chaos uh, gain sentience and mm. i think we've covered this to some extent in the fantasy podcast uh laying down the lore of the old world uh that um it said that nurgle manifested during the the black death during the plague corn mm. manifested 
during the Mongol hordes and uh, or the attack of the Mongol hordes and Zinch manifested during the Renaissance uh, as kind of the Mm. scales fell from people's eyes. Now, I read an interesting piece recently where someone was saying that it's not that these gods were manifested by those human actions, but those human actions reflected the manifestation of those gods in the warp, where yeah. the echo of Nurgle's birth was the plague. The echo of Korn's oh, birth was the rise of the most bloodthirsty empire that's ever existed uh, in human history. The explosion of uh, Zinch's uh, kind of bailiwick of hope and change precipitated the Renaissance. Right. That's a cool idea, man. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really clever take on it. Not my own take mm. personally, but I think I, I would certainly lean towards that. Fuck it, you'd take it. Just no, wait. no, I wouldn't do that to someone. Uh, where the... Um, Fine, I'll take it. It's, it's great, Ben. Great idea. Great. Thanks, pal. <laughs> do you know what? You're my favourite again. Uh, the <laughs> I, I like to think Slanesh was uh, manifested during the boom of 70s and 80s porn. <laughs> please don't use the word boom yeah. <laughs> the spilouche of 70s and 80s porn <laughs> this 80s sploosh uh, oh, I just threw up a little bit um, <laughs> there are other aspects of the kind of secret histories that carry on through the Age of Terror. And we will cover them, but I think they're best covered when we talk about uh, the Emperor because he gives great insight into the mysteries of 40K. I will use the word perpetual. uh, And those in the know, rest assured, we will cover that. So the Age of Terror really comes to a close with the advent of the discovery of the warp. And then from that, warp drives. Now, it's within a millennium, you now have warp drive-capable craft and the navigators. They both come into existence. I do not believe that it was a, a coincidence. I believe that the navigators were genetically engineered to be able to operate in the idea of the warp, warp travel. I have I have a question. You looked like you had a question, Ben. I think we were both waiting for you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Right, you, okay, did, right. you looked pensive. Um, <clears throat> if navigators were, kind of came on the scene at the time when warp drives, so this is the end of the Age of Terra. The Emperor doesn't, isn't a part of it. Humanity isn't actually united as a whole. Like you say, it's still kind of country-based or, you know, kind of tribal in a way. Faction-based. Faction-based. Don't the navigators require the Astronomicon, great convention, to um, navigate the warp? And doesn't the Astronomicon require the Emperor to bond with the psychers before they're plugged in like light bulbs that is what eventually happens in terms of the powers of the navigator they can make short jumps they can make short uh, kind of hops blind jumps right 
from system to system, but they can't go from one side of the galaxy. You know, they can't go from one segmentum to another in one jump. Right. Okay. They will eventually, for larger expansion, for travel over larger distance, they will need the Astronomicon and thus, of course, the Emperor. Uh, gotcha. The Astronomicon really is constructed at the the kind of close of the ages that we're covering here. So you're looking at about, you know, the year 30,000 roughly is when these kinds of structures and bureaucracies that you're describing come into place. Okay. So at one, this sorry, stage, one last question about that last um, age. So the age of Terra, humanity is moving out to stars. They're not you know, a unified body yet. No. Um, would it be safe to say that a lot of the like were corporations i know not much is known about that period of time but in terms of kind of the ownership of these large ships and whatnot is that going to be more corporation based or is it going to be more kind of governmental based uh, i think that really for large scale enterprises like this it it, it must be governmental based the corporations you know, have the the innovation and the technology to be able to assist with these things. But in terms of the sheer taxable base to be able to get that money in to create these things, mm. it has to be states. It has to be a, right, a okay. you know a government that feeds in uh, to these things. Now, it's important to realize that companies exist on all planets, in all space of the Imperium of Man. They. Every planet has a slew, has an almost infinite slew of uh, companies handling uh, aspects that aren't directly overseen by the Adeptus Terra, the actual mm. administrative body of the Imperium. Uh, they do contract out these things, and it, it's based on this, the technology level or the technological level of the planets that they're that they're on. Right, if you see yeah. what I mean. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah, so with the the advent of the discovery of the warp and the coincidental arrival of both warp drive technology and navigators, we enter something called the age of technology. It's also referred to as the dark age of technology. And this really is an explosion of colonization and expansion. And because ships now are able to do a couple of short jumps Whereas before it would take, you know, a lifetime to cover, they can now cover that in a matter of days. You start seeing enormous, like obscenely enormous wealth being generated by traders who have access to these kind of, um, what, are they, what are they called? Freighter, giant freighters who have a capacity to do short warp jumps. So this is where you start seeing the human race spread out from the segmentum solar into the different segmenta and you see an expansion there and of course at, at the borders at the forefront of all of these expansions you're seeing uh, frontier worlds being established and you're coming into aggressive contact with the uh, xenos aliens and again you must by default be coming into contact with warp entities and demons and the uh, manifested pawns of uh, Nurgle, Corn, and Zinch as you're accessing the warp. Um, Mr. Chris. 
Oh, Mr. Chris, I apologize. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, it's nothing boring. But I, I don't think you've covered... Oh, I'll uh... carry on then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I just want to let you know, my question is irrelevant. Carry on. Uh... <laughs> Are you going to go over how and when warp energy and warp travel was discovered? Uh, no, because it's not really been written down. Okay, fine. Just one day, woke up, hey, warp energy. Now we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Shazam. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Shazam. Bam. <laughs> um, so it's, it, it's as these expansions are uh, happening, you're starting to see... Uh, kind of cultural transitions from the early within segmentum solar within the original mm. sphere of expansion for humanity you're starting to see a, a kind of a bureaucracy uh, a kind of federalism that emerges centered on terra as the kind of the arrogantly named home planet so you're seeing t- a technology transfer an information transfer you're seeing trade uh, you're seeing cultural development it's also at this time you're starting to see the transit. We mentioned last uh, episode about the move from for knights from agricultural machinery, dealing in oh, animal yeah. husbandry, to war machines <laughs> and kind of feudal nobility. Are you laughing at animal husbandry? <laughs> he totally no. did. As I'm, as I'm. <laughs> it's it's one of the best jokes I've ever heard. Uh, who was the guy who sang the um, the element song? You know, oh, the one that um, did... oh god, that's gonna. They may be giants, wasn't it? No, no, no. no. It was uh, no. That's the Big Bang song. No, it was <sighs> Tom Let Let. Tom Lehrer? Tom Leonard. Tom Lehrer. Tom, no, oh, Tom Lehrer. L-E-H-R-E-R. He told a great joke, which was, uh, I went to college to study animal husbandry, but they caught me. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> they caught me, so I had to stop. <laughs> um, so you're seeing a the early kind of, existence of uh, a, a human government uh, a, a human governance not necessarily a human government um would they have been rediscovering lost human worlds at that point because if you were saying that in the age of terra they'd have traveled for you know x number of generations and those worlds established would have in fact turned their true origins into myth or maybe even forgot about them entirely. If you suddenly had warp travel and then Earth or Terra starts to become the central point of governance, like you say, would they have started to reconnect with those worlds and show them that that's where they came from? Literally what I just said. Was it? <laughs> was it? Fuck. So you, there's, a, you, there's a specific point you're making and the answer is yes. Uh, as this... Uh, kind of uh, connection, uh, communication and trade and so forth, they would start to rediscover the uh, planets on the kind of outer edges of the sphere or stuff that had kind of fallen away. There was still quite a healthy amount of records available at that time. So they could trace, you know, you're looking at 15,000 years worth of travel so you're you're reconnecting with a culture on a given planet but they perhaps have not been isolated on that planet 
they themselves may have colonized other worlds either within right. a system or the one system over uh, that kind of idea. so it, uh, it was kind of a glib answer but yes that that's you're starting to see contact let's call it you're starting to see cultural contact between different human colonies and eventually over time over a th- over thousands of years you see a a, a kind of a human uh, sphere an interstellar one government is formed uh, over uh, this but it's very much new world order new galactic order yeah but it's very much uh, one built on cultural exchange cultural exchange and trade so very much like a un style deal mm, right. um and eventually a group known as the men of gold these are like great thinkers and um thinkers and leaders and scientists and this kind of thing so they create a kind of sub-faction a, a new race called the men of stone and they are dedicated to creating a, a, a connective interstellar society dedicated to the advancement of science and technology. So it, it eschews the idea of religion uh, and the idea of faith and of superstition and focuses purely on scientific achievement. And they become ridiculously wealthy uh, as the kind of coffers of these planets are drained into their own uh, into their own to be able to fund tech- technological advancement uh, 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 and more exploration. So you see a further explosion across the stars, really. You're looking at what well, almo- almost to the edges of the currently defined uh, segmenta. So you're looking at the population of the galaxy. Wow. Fucking mind blowing. Just mm-hmm. like the concept of like populating the galaxy, the steps to get there the thousands, the millennia it takes, and the challenges, like you say, right, you've just shotgunned a bunch of ships into uh, the depths of space, intergalactic space. It's not intergalactic because it's within the galaxy, but out into space. (laughs) It takes thousands of years, so many variables, so many failures, so many successes and everything in between. After you've got then the technology to catch up with them, you've got to kind of cast this net over them and yeah. reconnect and herd them into line again. It's fucking mad. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as this uh, advancement is proceeding, the men of stone then create something called the men of iron. These are autonomous AI within variously sized robotic bodies. Um, Sorry, the men of the men of stone. Did you say there yeah. was a men of gold as well? The men of gold were the kind of leaders and uh, thinkers and scientists that created the men of stone, and the men of stone were scientists and you know arguably warriors, but great kind of uh, they were practical rather than theoretical. They were right, but all human, arguably human. Yes, they were seen okay. as uh, part of humanity. Right. So these men of iron ultimately, unfortunately, rebel against their human creators and an apocalyptic conflict broke out across uh, human space because these men of iron were spread throughout the galaxy. And what were they, sorry? They were, were they robots? 
they were uh, well they were ai but some were in robotic bodies some were installed into like governance systems uh, right. defense systems this kind of stuff so imagine skynet skynet right. galaxy wide right blimey maybe or maybe not connected to each other but certainly not a single kind of mind governing this uh, rebellion um unfortunately this destruction this absolute uh, catastrophe shattered the single empire of human space and coincidentally or not depending on how you view the chaos gods in the wake of the destruction, in the wake of this devastation by the Men of Iron, it became accepted that AI was completely verboten within humanity. There would no longer be uh, thinking machines created and used to such an extent. Mm. And uh, any scientist working on such a thing would be put to death for the sake of the society because of the calamitous impact that these men of iron had had ah so is that does that have anything to do with the whole lobotomized nature of is it servitors servitors exactly right you cannot create a machine that thinks for itself to be able to achieve a series of tasks so you have created what's referred to as monotask servitors you have various flavors of them. You've got like uh, loading servitors that load up stuff onto vehicles. You've got Medicaid servitors, which are like doctor's assistants and they inject you with various things to make you feel better. You've got combat servitors, uh, surveys, like whatever, whatever task you can think of, no matter how menial, there is a lobotomized human augmented with uh, uh, robotic parts ready to lend a hand and or claw. They're like the squig of 40k. There's there's a servitor for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'll find that the squig of 40k is the squig. <laughs> oh, is there, are there squigs in 40k? Oh, yes, there are squigs, my oh, okay, friend. Fine, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear oh, that. I can't wait to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of servitor do you need in your life right now, Kral? What, what oh, kind of man, servitor I need a put-my-pants-on servitor. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> having to bend over and pull my pants off that that's is... gonna have to be one l- hell of a lobotomy <laughs> i've just uh I've, I've yet to put my socks on so my feet are cold so i think i might need a pumice stone servitor <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> <laughs> Attention all adepts of the machine god. Are you seeking reliable protection for yourself or your valuable assets during the dangers of an explorator fleet? Look no further than the Iron Man Bodyguard Service, the premier choice for personal security in the Mechanicum. Our highly trained bodyguards are skilled in combat, tactics, and covert operations making them the ideal choice for any situation that requires swift and decisive action. We understand the constant dangers faced by those who serve the Onisia and are dedicated to ensuring your safety at all times. Don't leave your safety, 
or the safety of your valuable technological assets, to chance, choose the Iron Man Bodyguard service and rest assured that you are incapable and trustworthy McCondrites. So at the end of this great war with the Men of Iron, there's a coincidental, in quotes, event where we see human psychers, human magic users, humans who are able to access the warp and channel those kind of raw powers, begin to appear in very large numbers across the entirety of human space. Now, if we accept that these manifestations, like we touched earlier on, like Nurgle, the birth of Nurgle was reflected by the, or reflected as the Black Plague on Earth. What we're mm. seeing here is the start of the fall of the Eldari reflected across the galaxy. So we're seeing humans who are able to touch the warp begin to be born out as a result of the kind of psychic power and the psychic waves of the Eldari as they begin to become corrupted. So as a result of this, as a result of uh, the sudden possession of human psychers, the sudden creation of portals, uh, warp portals within the bodies of some of these poor people, humanity en masse is exposed to the knowledge of demonic entities, the knowledge of demons. And ultimately, this leads to the collapse of the kind of interstellar nature of human civilization across the galaxy. And we close out from the dark age of technology into what's referred to as the age of strife, also referred to on Terra as old night, uh, where everything is cut off from everything else. Who knew? Wow. What and sorry, why why was it cut off? Because of the discovery of warp through the birth, the the, the baby boom of human psychers out of nowhere. But why sorry, why did that cut off communication? No, I'm not telling you. <laughs> no, no. That will be in episode seventy-five. Um okay. <laughs> Really, what we're dealing with here is the psychic echo of the five millennia collapse of the Eldar, of the Eldari, I apologize. You're seeing the, uh, not only are psychers being born as a kind of bow wave of kind of hedonistic psychic pleasure coming out of uh, the crone worlds where the Eye of Terror would eventually be formed, but you're uh, seeing warp storms start to be created within uh, the uh, real world as the excess that the galactic-spanning Eldari Empire is going through causes the warp to kind of merge uh, with the real world in a kind of undulating fashion. Um, uh, and these warp storms completely disrupt the kind of blind short jumps that navigators can make because there's no astronomican, there's no um, mm. lighthouse. So they can't make huge jumps. You're also dealing with planetary systems that are fighting not only against the Xenos and other kind of human raiders, but now we're dealing with demons as well. Uh, and so Shit. they're going oh, to... Come on. Come on. <laughs> they're going to... Give me uh, a goddamn break. Yeah. They're going to really start uh, culling 
human psychers as much as they can. And that's where we start seeing this, um, I was about to say irrational hatred, but quite rational hatred, not perhaps justifiable, quite rational hatred of psychers on some of these um of the, like the feral or the feudal worlds they're referred to as witches so you get these great witch trials as the as the kind of psychers are dealt with you start seeing a lot of mutation as well because you're getting this power of the warp coming through and as we've discussed on the fantasy uh podcast that chaos the stuff of chaos or the warp in this instance has a a mutating effect and so Lots of humans are born either as abhumans, where you start seeing beast men, or they have various forms of mutation, so like tentacles, spikes, uh, all the usual additional uh, crunchy goodness that you see in these kinds of games. Yeah. Um, so, am I just? I just want to make sure I'm understanding this right. Basically, at this point, we're starting. We you start seeing the birth of human psychers, psychic human babies, and warp storms and various warp entities start appearing everywhere. And this yeah. is due to the excess and of of, of the Eldar. The Eldar are kind of at this point, kind of in their web way, in a kind of parallel universe, doing their thing. But whatever they're up to, using the warp, it's spill. It's now spilling out into the corporeal world. Is that what's happening because of the Eldar's habits and behaviors? It's sort of yes. You're you're really dealing with like the web way is sort of protected from chaos. You know, as much as something yeah. can be. What you're really looking at is just the complete degradation of the eldar psyche in the real world so you're looking at the crone worlds you're looking at colony worlds as well uh, and you're looking at spacecraft as they're traveling through space all of these are just they're like pulsing with raw psychic energy throbbing as Mm. well yeah actually do you know what throbbing is a good word because Mm. you're seeing like the uh, uh, the eldari just give in to every single hedonistic instinct you know nothing is denied they the word no no longer exists all discipline is gone uh, as they just descend into uh, complete and total anarchistic hedonism so it's it's and and it was that uh, as you say anarchistic hedonism that uh, that was being done in the corporeal world that was causing yes or because yes. they, they did the Eldari exist predominantly in the corporeal world at this stage or were they mainly in the webway or were they across both? No, they they are they are a physical race. So as I, we mentioned, I think last episode and a few episodes before that, they they. Um, took control of the webway from the old ones when the old ones passed. So the Eldar are a race of the corporeal world. They have set up settlements and cities within the webway, but that's those settlements and those Eldar don't really have that much of an effect on the corporeal world right. uh, so it's yeah, right. it's the ones that are actually in reality the ones that are in the kind of right. physical mm. reality that are causing this I, I mean this thing to bear in mind is they were they are a galactic spanning civilization so they are everywhere did the had the humans already encountered them during yes. this expansion yeah, so yeah, they yeah. knew who they were they knew of them yeah were were they cuz they were they were on the other side of the galaxy, is that right? 
when they wear the Eye of Terror. No, they home well, they are uh, up and to the left of Terra as you're looking on a map. So they're actually closer to Terra than the galactic core is, if you see what I mean. Mm. They're they're on oh, the same side of there. So they they're not I mean, this is one of the things to remember within 40k. There's no such thing as a good guy. There's no good guys. But mm. the Eldar are less hostile than orcs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and sure. And in general, are far more Machiavellian, so they'll use humans to further their own ends. So th there are some alliances, some outright wars. Uh, you know, it, it's right, the same okay. as any two cultures bumping into each other. Mister Chris, um, and so uh, just to clarify, Terrans came across plenty of Eldar during their Golden Age, as it were, whilst they were yes traversing the universe and, and and finding new planets they came up against uh they, they they encountered lots of eldar eldari and was it amicable was it quite were the eldari quite uh welcoming to them or was it the complete opposite yeah. were they were they also not like fucking hell these aliens look exactly like us <laughs> ish, ish ish i mean the eldari do have quite a racist term for humans it's called mon hyphen key they call us monkeys, basically. <laughs> wow. Monkey. Monkey. Or monkey. So, you know, they they are they view themselves as superior in all aspects. One has to remember their star empire had existed for millions of years. And so right. humanity is still they're not even out of the crib yet. Uh, and already yeah. these fuckers are spread across the galaxy like uh, jam on a bit of toast. Good analogy, Dar. Sure. Thanks, Dar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, the <laughs> so they're not hostile to them, but they definitely like we are better than you. Like yes, it really is though on a case by case basis. It depends on the elder you bump into. Might have a beer with you. Might call you a monkey. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> oh, they'll yeah. call you a monkey, uh, but some of them will do at least wait till you're out of earshot. <laughs> so as these worlds are descending into kind of psychic horror it's only these planets these cultures that are unbelievably draconian against the advent of those witches those psychers that uh, survive this age of strife i mean this is a five thousand year long age of just insanity and terror um from the 25th millennium to the 30th millennium, the entire interstellar... Uh, uh, no, I've, I've forgotten a word. Network. I've forgotten a word. The entire interstellar concern of human civilization shatters like glass. Mm. And this is wow. where you start seeing a lot of cultures that devolve. So you, you'll go from like... Uh, civilized worlds back down to feral worlds after right. a demonic incursion or xenos attack and this is where you start getting in a more kind of regular fashion the concept that there are star gods and the whole 25,000 years of human progress falls into myth and legend mm. on some of these worlds and you find that some worlds end up kind of trying to preserve some level of technology or information and that then is protected by a you know an elite group or a priesthood so you start getting this kind of illuminati style 
cultures developing on some of these worlds. But really, the biggest threat to humanity at this stage is its own ignorance, because it doesn't understand mm. what's happening uh, right. fully. And some of these civilizations, like you say, are the, the concept of Terra and Earth is just myth now. They've yeah. heard of this legend that is planet yeah. Earth, Terra, from where they think they descended or their ancestors uh, uh, yeah. came from before coming from the stars and then populating whatever this place is. Yeah, and it very much kind of mirrors the the kind of the thing we have in Earth, which is this kind of ancient aliens, the ancient astronauts idea mm. that uh, we came from the stars or some gods descended down and gave us the gifts of civilization, uh, you know, the, the Anunnaki of the Sumerian Empire, of Sumerian mythology, uh, mm. and... You know, they came from a planet called Nibiru and they traveled the stars and, 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 and. It's, it's yeah, that yeah. level of kind of mythology that the 25,000 years of um, human endeavor falls into. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's towards the close of this age of strife, as this period is called, this 5,000 year period. I've mentioned that. Um, some planets devolved from civilized to feral, but it also affected the biomes as well because some planets were simply devastated with the weapons from the Dark Age of Technology, either as cultures on a planet turned against themselves or in a kind of last-ditched uh, scorched-earth defense against either demons or, you know, Eldar or orcs or, 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 um, you know, an example would be, uh, the blood angel homeworld of Baal or ball. It was turned from this kind of verdant paradise into effectively a radioactive desert that was completely done. So you, you went from, like, I'm going to use the word arboreal simply because it, it seems to be our word. You went from this, uh, a paradise world, effectively, to a, a death world where it's just the, the sheer amount of background radiation would uh, fry a kipper. Not that they have space <laughs> kippers. Who knows? Who knows space what they have? Kippers. <laughs> space kippers. Fracking. Good for nothing, I'm telling you. Stop fracking, people. <laughs> for this whole period, one has to imagine that the universe that the humans are in, the galaxy, the very galaxy itself, it simply is a genocidal fight for existence. Uh, humans are tortured, captured in their millions. They die in their billions. And really it's a, 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 a you know, the dark age of strife, or sorry, the age of strife is a, an apt name for it, or old night as the kind of hopes of humanity and the hopes of a galaxy of humans disappears. Blimey. Yeah. So that's really, you're seeing a couple of uh, kind of expansions and contractions of human kind of civilization or galactic civilization as they take over uh, or, or as they manifest this destiny that they own the stars. While all this is happening, Terra, the actual our own happy planet Earth has gone from being, you know, the uh, verdant paradise that uh, we all seem to forget it is, starts turning into a hive world. It starts, these great 
cities, these great conurbations where the entirety of Scotland, for instance, turns into a single city. Not overnight, obviously, it takes a few days, uh, but um, you end up with uh, entire continents slowly being turned into uh, cities or, or strip single mines. urban centres. Yeah, absolutely. Was it, um, in, in the case of Scotland being urbanised, was it Glasgow or Edinburgh that was the dominant force <laughs> don't there? You, don't you start. Discuss. Unfortunately, it was Perth. Oh. It, it, it was... Australia. The Fifers, the yeah. Fifers took over. Yeah. <laughs> would, um, would, that, would that kind of effect of like mass urbanization have been fueled in any way by kind of mass migration back to Earth? Like it would... Back to Terra, should I say. Would, the, would there have been fear on that level in the kind of... The, the, the close proximity to Terra, that the... the, the, the that the galactic empire was kind of falling apart and everybody kind of getting back to safety or, or anything like that? Um, it wouldn't really have happened because interstellar travel pretty much ceased uh, mm. during that time. So there, you know... Wherever you were, you were stuck. Basically. Wherever you were. I mean, th- it was so bad that even trips from the surface of Terra to the moon, which obviously, given our Latin uh, bent, is referred to as Luna... Um, even that was perilous. You'd flip a wow. coin to make it in one piece, uh, simply because the warp storms were so prevalent. But it was during this time, the kind of final thousand years of this age of strife, that you see the rise of a being who comes to be called the Emperor. So the Emperor of Mankind walked the Earth and had in fact walked the Earth for thousands upon thousands of years, for almost the entirety of human civilization, uh, he had existed. He was a, a psyker bar none. Uh, well, sorry, I apologize. He's the, he's the strongest psyker with one exception. Uh, and he was part of a group called the Perpetuals. These are undying humans. These are humans who can be killed, but will come back to life. Right. Mm. Nagash style. Uh, more successful than Nagash, and you have no idea how much it hurt me to say that. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> Didn't need a fucking black pyramid, did he? Just yeah. pang, just comes back. Pang. But th- there are a good handful of these beings peppered throughout history. Uh, That's really interesting. But what we see now is that, the it, you know, how did the navigators come into being? Who was the scientist that organized that? Who was the scientist that organized warp drives? It was that cheeky character, the Emperor, wasn't it? It was them all along. Were they they the same character as the Emperor? Or were they funded by the Emperor? Or were they advised by the Emperor? So he has this hidden hand throughout the development of the human race. Because as perpetuals, they take the long view. Mm. Not necessarily a beneficial view. Not necessarily an altruistic view but they are a guiding hand behind the scenes. Now, it should be understood that some of these perpetuals wanted nothing to do with anything. They just wanted to live a quiet life and maybe achieve some things, but to be largely left alone. But that became ultimately an impossibility. Where was that detailed in the lore? Um, The kind of early, the story of the emperor, as it were. 
it's really uh, well the story of the emperor the first kind of story of the emperor's birth came about in uh, one of the realms of chaos books in the a book called the lost and the damned where it detailed his birth during the kind of neolithic age uh, on earth in anatolia uh, a region called anatolia where um he was the result of now this is going to sound weird but stick with me he was the result of uh, hundreds of shaman, hundreds of powerful shaman, committing ritual suicide and focusing it on a pregnant woman. Wow. Whew. Yeah. I mean, in terms wow. of confused trauma, it's right up there. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah. But this, of course, is it, it's the it's the first mention of this kind of supernatural aspect of the emperor. But it's not the only interpretation. There have been others through the lore. And really what we're doing here is we're extracting kind of the, the fancy nuggets from the Horus Heresy book series. This is where a lot of this is uh, documented uh, or either outright or by assumption or implication, right. sorry. So really we're entering a period of human history exclusive to Terra, exclusive to our planet Earth, called the Unification Wars. And this is where the Emperor begins unifying all the states of the planet. I mean, of course he does. It would be a stupid name otherwise, the Unification Wars. It's, what's he thinking? Um, <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive as well. A war to unify everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was essentially a war, a Unification War must be at its very core genocidal. Because it's either you you are incorporated into, like Kral says, like it's a contradiction in terms. But if the uh, if the end goal was the complete extermination of the other side, then there would, or you know, to the point where they give up, that would then form unity, wouldn't it? So was that that was that the aim? Was basically join me or we wipe you out? Uh, yes. The short answer to all of that is yes. I mean, his right. his goal, uh, as described within the various Horus Heresy books, was to have a single world uh, government, atheistic, uh, which spread the concept of the manifest destiny of humanity, where it, the humans had a right to the universe that they found themselves born in. Uh, there were some other things going on in the background, but in general he was trying to become the single leader of the human race. And thus, it necessitated the complete genocidal erasure of certain cultures that refused to bend the knee. Now, during this time, he uh, constructed armies. So we're looking at the, the kind of proto-imperial guard, referred to as the imperial army, eventually. Uh, and this these were... Um, SAS-style elite troops, but reg regiments upon regiments of incredibly disciplined, incredibly well-trained human troops that may have had some form of augmentation, either uh, mechanical or biological, that gave them you know, an edge in battle. He also, from a, 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 that stock, created the proto-space marines, these were the Thunder Warriors. These were the original <gasps> augmented superhuman soldiers uh, that I read about would um, 
assist him in the complete conquering and erasure of any other form of leadership. Um, he was defended at they all. They sound very Mad Max, those guys. Yes, absolutely. They're very, uh, how would you describe them? They're very kind of, it'll be my the second episode where I reference Blade Runner. But you remember like the 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 Nexus 6, the Roy Batty, mm. Um, mm. Uh, Rutger Hauer character. It's it's those, but buffer, angrier, and uh, instant to violence, um, mm. and clad in punch first, ask questions later. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, mm. But mm. these were, f- you know, fundamental to his capacity to be able to conquer the planet or reconquer the planet. Uh, he was himself surrounded by what's called the custodies, the custodians, his bodyguard. And these were, they were to, um, like humans were to the Thunder Warriors as custodies were to the Emperor. So these are true superhuman warriors, um, all converted from existing adults. They're not... Um, they weren't genetically altered when they were younger. And so he was dealing with not only his own kind of uh, desires, but he had to instill a faith and belief in adults that he was the best. He knew the way and could manifest the reunification that uh, he and a growing number of people uh, sought. Uh, He did end up having to put down a number of warlords, a number of countries, but ultimately the entire planet was bought to heal in the the closing years of the 29th millennium. So as we're moving into the 30th, or sorry, the early half of the 30th millennium, we see that not only has Terra been unified under the emperor, but Luna has been brought in. You're looking at allies with Mars. If you recall, Mars is a forge world of the cult Mechanicus, the kind of uh, what would become the Adeptus Mechanicus, who worshipped uh, the machine god. Uh, but through various kind of political dealings, accepted that the emperor was a manifestation of this machine god he was a like an avatar of this machine god just mm. a bit how does their worship of a god sit within the emperor's aim goal of an atheist empire well if you'll recall from last episode i said that the 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 kind of cult mechanicus this worship the adeptus mechanicus religion uh, they as an entire kind of sub faction of the human race are of the imperium but not part of the imperium if you see what i mean right. they are uh, allies uh, in a very kind of uh, odd way uh, and have almost complete autonomy over their own systems and beliefs right yeah but but for i mean just from the stuff that i read it seems that the the emperor has a very zero tolerance policy for anyone that's not human and certainly with regards to faith like Uh, when they reconnect a planet if that planet has been isolated for so long that they develop their own faith they basically told that 
either dispense with that or die. Isn't it, that, yeah, um, I mean that that that's a, 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 a short summary of it. it. It would say that it's the it's a reaction to the acknowledgement that psychers exist and that warps ex- the warp exists. He is mm. trying to ensure that the idea of religion, the idea of spirituality, is erased from human consciousness, so that psychic capacity doesn't right, manifest okay. uh, and thus humanity can exist for a lot longer without having to worry uh, about demonic incursions uh, and so forth gotcha. so uh, he reunifies the solar system so he has the solar system in his gra- grasp and it's about this time by then the thunder warriors realize that they are temporary they start dying off they start you know, falling sick, that they don't have an expansive lifespan. They are tools to get the emperor to where he wants humanity to be, but they're not part of it. Oh, it's got to burn. It's got to burn. Isn't yeah, it? it's a real stinger. The mm. official records say that to a man, they fought to the death in the last battle uh, to unify Terra. The most commonly held story is that they were slaughtered to a man at Mount Ararat in the Middle East, you know, the, of Moses, where the ark came to rest. Right. All right. They were killed on the orders of the emperor by the custodies, by the golden-plated bodyguard of the emperor. Uh, and they, the custodians would just whip through the Thunder Warriors. Now, as revealed in some of the literature in the Horus Heresy, a handful of these Thunder Warriors manage to escape and exist up to and beyond the Horus Heresy, the great kind of cataclysmic war. So what you're seeing is the Emperor dispensing with anything he no longer needs, callously. He, you know, he's taken the, a, a long view, a long racial view, rather than an individual life view. Uh, mm. and, and thus... The space marines come into existence because he needs warriors not to reconquer a single planet or a single system, but to reconquer an entire galaxy. And so, over the bones of a thousand years, in secret, he starts to develop the process by which these young boys can be turned into the superhuman soldiers of the Imperium. And actually, as part of the kind of final stand of the Thunder Warriors, the custodies are aided by the first kind of companies of the first Space Marine Legion, referred to as the Dark Angels. It's the Dark Angels wow. Legion. Uh, and they mm. have a hand in putting down the the kind of final, um, uh, real kind of, uh, what would you call it? The final stand of the Thunder Warriors. That's sad, man. Thus. It's real sad. The reunification war comes to a close and we enter the period called the Great Crusade where the Emperor sets his eye on everything outside of the solar system. And that, my friends, is where we will stop for this month. What a cliffhanger. I know. (laughs) I am hanging off that cliff. Mm. I should say... For anyone who's interested in 30k or the kind of history before uh, the Great Crusade, 
I've left so much out that it, it, it's almost irrelevant. <laughs> but it's it's like it's not. It, it would take an idiot's guide to cover you know thirty times what I've covered here. This is really just dipping our toe in the water, but it gives you an idea of uh, human history from our own time yeah, yeah, through yeah. to the Great Crusades. Mr. Chris. Yeah, it was out. Up until that moment, you said uh, uh, um, it was at this point the emperor had his sights on everything outside the solar system. Are you saying up in that point the humans had only colonized our local solar system? No. Okay, fine. This was uh, this was after the Age of Terror, the Age of Technology, mm -hmm. and the it, it's the tail end of the Age of Strife. So there's been. So they've uh, expanded. Expanded. So they expanded massively. Ah, uh, yes. Then, then there was the age of strife, yep. which basically ruined all space travel and all space communication. So you have all of these little pockets of humanity are isolated. And mm -hmm. then he reunifies he unifies Earth and mm -hmm. then sets out to reconnect. Is I see. Right? He, was, he regrouped, yes. and then at that point he was like, right, got all my ducks in order. Let's go fucking take yeah. over the game. Let's go and find the other ducks. Yeah. It's just uh, a big yeah, old yeah. duck hunt. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, bear in mind that, um, you know, next episode, not only will we talk about the Great Crusade, but we'll talk about why the Great Crusade was able to occur. Because remember, okay. warp storms were everywhere during mm. this time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, what yeah. happens that allows that to occur? So that's a little, little teaser. We'll, we'll cover some bits. <laughs> Uh, at oh, the start of next ooh, episode, you son of a bitch. So, uh, thoughts, thoughts on the emperor? Oh man! Well, I tell you what, that He's a cunt. <laughs> that is a. <laughs> I find that particular story really interesting, especially his kind of, like his kind of shady dealings before he made his existence publicly known. And you know, yeah. it was the first time I'd heard about these perpetuals, and like. I think I think there one of the Horace Heresy books that I've read details there's a story where he, a young emperor who's obviously not the emperor yet he's he's a, he's an unknown man he goes and has a conversation with a guy in a church uh, who and the church is being shut down I think as part of his the start of the the unification wars and it's basically him the, the emperor disproving this guy's religion to him you know, and just yeah, saying, this, like, it's the, that story is called the last church. It's the last uh, religious uh, structure, religious entity, uh, on, or public on religious entity on Terra on the on right, the surface right, of right. Earth. And I, just, I find that whole that whole kind of phase fascinating, but there's just not a huge amount of information about it, is there? No, 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 no. no. I mean, no. there is, but we'd have to do a daily podcast. Uh, and I, I don't think I could call. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get. You'd love it. Come on, guys. I would love Patreon. it. Patreon.com forward slash yeah. laying down the lower 40k. <laughs> Let's burn Darren out. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 amount of law and the and the timeline is so vast. You're literally talking tens of thousands of years, of course. Yeah. Are there stories, you've got the Horace Heresy, you've got various books focusing on things. Do you get series of books and novels and tales and lore dedicated purely and they don't go 
beyond, for example, the age of strife or the golden age of terror, the first 15,000 years or something like that. And there have just countless books and novels and stories purely on that bit of time, for example. No, un- uh, unfortunately not. It, it, they would be great reads, but it wouldn't really be, f- it wouldn't have that 40K feel or 30K sure. feel. Uh, you you do get aspects of it in flashbacks. mm within the Horus Heresy books or the books of the Great Scouring or the or when the, the kind of the beast it's referred to, an orc warlord attacks, uh, mm. the young Imperium. You do get kind of flashes and insights in some of the Eldar novels, in some of the Chaos novels, but in general, um, you know, the, the, the bulk of the lore nowadays starts with the the kind of great crusade section mm. which is the mm. the section we'll cover uh, next episode yeah gotcha so it was all not just filler but it was just the bedrock of the lore really and anything that is out it's probably fan made or something like that the the meat the meat of it is from 30,000 to 40,000 right yeah, well, a hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you do find, um, and I hope you see that it's it it even that history serves as the bedrock upon which thirty k and forty k are built, uh, yeah. or or have have come to be built, because mm. that what we just discussed in this episode was literally three or four paragraphs uh, in you know the first edition of 40k it's something that was so light it wasn't explored but you have to remember that was 35 years ago or more than 35 years ago sure um so you know the lore has developed so this narrative that we're talking we're talking about in this kind of introductory series has taken 35 years to be developed in any great level of detail certainly not a level of detail we're discussing here this is a summary of summaries Wow. <laughs> As we move forward, yeah. Whew, blimey. But yeah, absolutely enthralling. That is like, again, just the concept of the expansion of humanity. And then that, then, you got to, then you're tasked with the fact of, yeah, exactly, trying to fucking herd that situation into the direction you want as well. Yeah. The managing logistics yeah. is just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need some psychics. So you're in the year 40,000, Crow. I was you have a time machine. You can go back any time you want, right? So, Age yeah. of Strike, uh, Age of Terror. So, the mm. expansion pre-warp drive. Mm. Then the Age of Technology. So, mm-hmm. pre-Emperor Unification Wars, but post-warp mm-hmm. uh, travel. Is, that's when the AI went bonkers, wasn't it? Though, yeah. Then the bonkers AI phase. Mm. Then the Age of. Str- Oh no! Is that yes. yeah? That was the age of technology. Yeah, yeah, then the yeah, age yeah, of strife, yeah. where the Eldar started bonking the whole universe into, well, the whole yeah. galaxy into chaos, submission. Yeah. So complete disconnection, and then unification wars, and then the Crusade, which we obviously were, which we haven't we haven't covered that yet. Which it, of those phases would you like to go back to? I've got to, You've got to start at the beginning. That sounds like the kind of most progressive enlightened and hopeful time in the whole thing right everything else just yeah. went backwards from absolutely. there absolutely yeah. <laughs> so yeah i'll go for the first fifteen thousand. i i would say the age of technology sounds pretty 
dope actually because you've kind of expanded and then everything's starting to connect and you've got the technology to like travel and you know that's surely that's more prosperous than the 15,000 years yeah. where you're so sat that on that was an the latter 15,000 years wasn't it so you got the the men of gold or something <laughs> like that the golden yeah. men yeah. who created the, the men of stone men, the men with the golden who balls created, who created the men of iron with iron balls um with iron balls <laughs> so that was that those yeah okay balls. that was cool yeah that was then peaking wasn't it and then after that that was when the AI yeah. went. Oh, it was all shit after that. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Skynet went self-aware, and yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everybody was yeah. asking to borrow your motorcycle and your clothes and your boots. I, I, I like the story of uh, of the expansion and also how, after generations and thousands of years, the myth of Earth kind of fades into myth. I guess it's been told in so many different ways. Like you say, in in our own histories of you know, we are descended from beings from the stars um, and films. What was the film? The alien film, Prometheus, that comes to mind as well. Yes, Similar kind yeah, of yeah, idea, yeah. Wasn't that it? kind yeah, of yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. Where would you Where would you go and live in those in those eras, Dar? I reckon it's the age of strife, isn't it? You dark motherfucker. He's an angsty motherfucker, isn't he? Yeah. Do, do you know <laughs> he what? Is, isn't he? Do you know what? It's, he's, he wants to go and live with the Eldar. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> i guess it depends who you are isn't it like yeah. if you are the eldar you don't care for nothing except for that next hit of whatever excess you're going to get so yeah you're having the time of your life i guess sounds like it sounds like the barber lads <laughs> i should say that there is a, a rather amusing uh miniature which is in fact one of the men of iron Oh really? Uh, it's yeah. It's a it's a robot. Ref- he refers to himself as an imperial robot, but it's a a, a, a robotic figure from the uh, Blackstone Fortress game, and it's uh, he's referred to or he his name is UR dash O two five, and he refers to himself as an imperial robot to get around the kind of ideas that he might be an AI, and what he's done is he's quite surreptitiously welded the symbol of the Imperium onto his chest quite clumsily. <laughs> so he's like, hello, nothing to see here. I am... <laughs> no, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sentient. I'm controlled by this Adeptus Mechanicus priest just here who's terrified <laughs> for his life. <laughs> That's awesome. So they do. Exa- I tell you what, we'll pop. We'll pop that image in the in the old uh, the the, the no, show notes. Show notes. He's, he's an AI in denial. He he recognizes his own flaws. It's like I might turn on my masters, and so he's just trying. He tells himself that he's not AI. He's in denial. Terrible. <laughs> what he's done effectively with welding that um, the symbol onto his chest, the imperial aquila, the kind of two-headed eagle, he might as well have welded it on where a moustache would be, because that's the kind of level of disguise that he's going for. Excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Shall I wrap up? Nah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and of course you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lower 40k and sign up today for as little as three pounds. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and tell us exactly what you think of us. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, goodbye. Three pound for the tier one patron? That's amazing value. All hail the Emperor. Say that louder. That! <laughs> 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 You're an asshole.